Okay, so we're just popping this in at the beginning of the cinnamon roll interstitial with Andy Christopher. Give us a couple minutes, you guys. Andy's on her way. (laughs) Um, But we have a plan, and we're very excited about it. It's really exciting. Sarah made me try it, so we know it works. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. So we have set up a voicemail box for you guys um, for (laughs) old school level, like, you can basically page us. <laughs> oh my god, it's like a tribe called Quest song. And your telephone number or other numeric message. Um, so we're gonna give you a telephone number, a United States telephone number for our international listeners, and you're gonna get to call and it's gonna go right to voicemail. And you will hear my voice asking you to tell us about the book that blooded you. Jen, what do we want them to tell us? Okay, so I think here's the important thing. We are hopefully going to actually play these audio clips on future podcasts. Yeah, you're by giving us voicemail, by leaving us a voicemail, you are consenting to us putting it on the podcast. Yeah. So I think it's really important that you probably should just say your like your first name. You don't have to give us your full name and address, please or phone number. Please don't do that. Please don't. None of us would like any of your data. We we want you to be pleasantly anonymous. Anyway, so you're going to tell us your name, uh, if you would like to, like where you live. That's kind of fun. When you started reading romance, like uh, some small biographical details, I think, to get the flavor. And then I want you to tell us the book. And it's really great if it's title and author. Yes, please. And tell us why. Yeah, like Sarah's story where she read Gentle Rogue under her desk. Right. I think like what we're looking for is not like your review of the book, but your memory of the reading of it. Right. We're interested in like the primalness of this book, why this is the book that brought you to romance um, and kept you here. Um, Yes. um, So that is the story. That is what we're doing. The telephone number is 646-450-3766. And we are not putting this, you have to write it down, you guys. We're not putting it on the internet because the last thing I need (laughs) is like cranky readers leaving me voicemail about my books. (laughs) Don't leave me voicemail about my books. You know what I'll say? (laughs) Yeah. Is if it's, if it's anything other than like kind of what we described, we'll probably just delete it. Um, and you know, we're not trying to be mean, but this isn't, you know, there's lots of ways to talk to us on Twitter or whatever. This is really specifically the books that blooded us hotline. (laughs) The the books that blooded us hotline. Okay. We're (laughs) going to give you the telephone number, um, during episodes too. But like I said, we're not going to put it in show notes. We're not going to tweet it. Um, it's really, it's just between all us, all us friends. Yes. You know, 10,000 closest friends. (laughs) Um, 646-450-3766. So if you leave us pegging crew, <laughs> don't leave us messages about pegging. <laughs> oh my god. I'm excited anyway, about all of it. I'm really excited too. I can't wait. Um tell us about the books that you love from the past, from the present. Um call multiple times, tell us about multiple books. Sure. Um, yeah, and you know we're we not sure you. exactly how we're how we're going to use this yet. So you know we don't know exactly how it'll work. So it could be that we get inundated with calls and keep it up for a week or two and take it down. It could be something that goes on for a long time. So you know, like no promises, anybody. Maybe you know, but we just think it'll be really fun to hear your yeah, stories. This could be a very big mistake too. We haven't talked about that. <laughs> it'll be a mistake i'm just worried it's too much like we won't be able to get everybody on right i mean you know you guys seem cool though i think i think we're all gonna we are all grown-ups we're all gonna be able to you know hold hold firm um i'm very excited that i'm making you all do something like old-fashioned like pick up the phone and leave us a voicemail like (laughs) a civilized human being no dick pics (laughs) no yeah impossible to leave us a dick pic um okay 646-450-3766 and uh we can't wait to hear your voices in our ear holes 
Yes, that's right. Stay tuned for Andy Christopher and cinnamon rolls. Well, we made a lot of people mad about all this. They haven't even heard the Derek Craven episode yet, so I don't even know what the hell is going on, Sarah. (laughs) Um, Well, welcome to Faded Mates, everyone. It is uh, beta cinnamon roll soft hero week. Um, It's a little like Great British Bake Off. When you do it that way. We actually just got an amazing, someone tweeted us right now and was like, is there a book where it's essentially like set during the Great British Bake Off? Only I don't watch that show. And so it said hashtag GBBO and I didn't know what it was and I had to look it up. So I'm like the wrong person to ask, I guess, about well, these cooking shows. I am the exact right person to ask about that. See? And uh, I don't know about a baking one, but Louisa Edwards did a like Top Chef style uh, romance series, which we will put in show notes. See, there you go. Um, but more importantly, we should introduce our guest. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Before we're too far down the rabbit hole, um, welcome Andy Christopher. Hi. We are so excited to have you. I can't believe it's taken us until season two. It's it's taken a long time, but we did record that one episode that <laughs> just didn't make it. It's actually not that it didn't make it. It's that someone uh, was terrible at recording themselves. Wait, you have no idea, everybody. Sarah, I'm about to tell you a story you don't even know. Only Andy and I know, which is I fucked up the recording the first time. And it was the three of us and actually... Ap- accidentally had this master reverb thing on which was essentially it made me sound like i was in a soccer stadium (laughs) and then here's what you don't know i also recorded an interview with andy because i interviewed her for kirkus earlier this summer and at literally 10 minutes before our scheduled phone call my child who we were in dallas for his volleyball tournament played volleyball day then ate a bunch of stuff and then literally barfed all over the hotel room and i had to clean it all up and then call Andy and be like, hi, sorry, thank God you're not in this room with me because it's disgusting. So I'm going to go with third time's a charm. <laughs> Fair. I, I hope so. I hope so. Nope. Fair. Nobody's going to barf right now. And I fixed, I'm not in a soccer stadium. That I'm really glad. And also it's a good day, you guys. It's a, it's good, a good day. It's a really it's a good, good day. good day because Nancy Pelosi finally got her shit together and was like, let's impeach the motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, yes, I need so, her to be hard as nails right now. She was bringing the big mom energy during that um, during that press conference. She was bringing the I told you once. I told you twice. This is the third time, and now we're done. <laughs> you don't get to go to prom. Um, yeah, if only it actually were a prom. And uh, but basically, what better thing for us to do tonight than to talk about um, soft, good, sweet heroes who make us happy to be in the world? So true. Um, so two, uh, a few weeks ago, we released our alpha episode. It was the first interstitial of season two because we decided it was time for us to come. We were going to come hard for all of you <laughs> <laughs> with season two. Um, and Jen and I put our stakes in the ground on alphas. And we had, a, I think, a really thoughtful conversation about alphas and why they exist. Um, and a lot of people on Twitter and in other places asked us a lot of really great questions about why alphas and why not betas and why not cinnamon rolls. Um, and first of all, I just want to repeat something that I feel like we said a bunch on the on that alpha episode, but I clearly <laughs> needs repeating. And that is that at no point did Jen and I say uh, romance novels can't exist without alphas. Um, and at no point did Jen and I say that alphas and betas are the only descriptors of heroes. Like, in fact, I think at multiple points we said this is sort of a dumb way of articulating 
um, heroes because they should be more right. than one thing. They should have nuance. I don't even know if we said that. I mean, I feel bad. We say it to each other all the time, but on that particular podcast. No, we definitely did. I yeah. went back and okay. checked. <laughs> I said, like, good writing requires the hero to be nuanced. Yeah, characters to be nuanced. Exactly. So, but what's really the reason why we're here? So, so Jen and I had already started talking about, okay, we're going to have to do, we're going to do a second episode and we're going to do an episode that'll be about kind of the softer hero. And I don't know, I'm, I'm really glad Andy's with us because I think one of the really valuable things for us to talk about maybe at the very beginning of this is what makes a cinnamon roll versus a beta. I'm not sure I understand all the terms. Yeah. So can we do that first and really sort of establish what we're talking about? And then I want to talk a little bit about history. And then I want Andy to talk about um, her brilliant thoughts on why cinnamon rolls are working now in a way that maybe they weren't a year, a, t- a decade ago or five years ago. Cool. So I feel like we should talk about like the origin of that cinnamon roll. Like it, it comes from the onion, right? Isn't that what it right. is? Like it's like it's like this sweet cinnamon roll of a human is too good and sweet for this world. Yes. And there's also a really funny tweet I should find that it's like, um, I, I mean, I think so. Yeah, like yeah, I, I think it's funny because a lot of people are like, why cinnamon rolls? And I think it's actually a. Uh, it comes from this onion piece and I think it just like sort of pervasively became this really funny thing that everyone just like really glommed onto as being a great way to describe a certain kind of character and um and the fact that and I I feel like one of for me a pioneering person in terms of like defining it was Olivia Dade and I we have linked to her list of cinnamon roll heroes like a bunch of times but what she says is um cinnamon roll heroes are supportive kind people who do their best even when they make mistakes and so that is like what it is that she defines um, as being like a cinnamon roll like hero. And then she made out got a whole bunch of people to like crowdsource the list. And so if you're looking for heroes like this after we talk about it today, we will link to this list because it is amazing and has, I don't know, 70 or 100 books on it that you might want to check out. Yeah, I think a couple of my books are on that, too. But I'm not sure if those books are quite accurately as cinnamon rolly as I thought they were. Interesting. I, think, I mean, I think they are just not quite... Um, I'm not going at, um, like, Sierra... I'm not on the Simone scale with those books. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm somewhere on the Claiborne um, I'm curve. Go ahead and say that cinnamon roll heroes don't even make the Simone scale. I mean, no. Like her zero point on the access is Darcy, who is not a cinnamon roll. So. Okay. But I was thinking about this today and I think father bell is in some senses. What are you saying (laughs) right now? (laughs) Just start over again. Time out. We calibrate. Oh my God. No, Annie. I'm pretty sure Sierra Simone is in London right now at Rare London. And I feel like she just woke up at like 5 a.m. and was like, there's a disturbance. She would love me for saying something blasphemous. But I'll... I will hear your argument, <laughs> Ms. Christopher. <laughs> okay, for me, like the cinnamon rolls, he, cinnamon roll heroes, like number one priority is the heroine's emotional, mental, and or spiritual well-being, physical well-being. So that like kind of overrides everything else. And I think um, Father Bell, because we're so in his head, expends a lot of um a lot of the conflict of the book is trying to put the heroine's emotional physical and spiritual well-being over his own wants and desires that he has attempted unsuccessfully to sublimate okay so i think this is really interesting because i Yes, that all makes that all makes sense to me. But what I don't understand is like, how is that different than what any romance hero wants? Like, think about Derek Craven, right? Yeah, who we just right. who was our first book of the of the season, or frankly, most Cressley Cole heroes. I mean, not okay, obviously not Lethair, but like <laughs> you know, 
<laughs> there are others. <laughs> like all those werewolf heroes. I mean, like yeah, are true. werewolves ba- are they are werewolves cinnamon rolls? I think the were uh, of Crusty Worlds. The the werewolf in Hunger Like No Other, I'm his name is escaping me right now. He's not a cinnamon roll. I would say, and like McCreeve is <laughs> not a cinnamon roll. I was roll. like, see, because none of them are Andy. What the hell are you talking no, about? No, no, no. Wait, she's not wrong. Because what about what Lucia and, uh, and Lucia? Declan. Declan. Glenn. No, that's the section. No, that's the section. Sorry. I'm like, I'm losing Wait, my... wait, wait. Well, we are the same way with all those heroes, as sure. you all know. Um, Lucia and help, help me. Gareth. In the Amazon. Gareth. Yes. Gareth? Gareth. Is it Gareth? Yeah. Is he a cinnamon roll? No. Uh, I think he's a little bit of a cinnamon roll. I feel like I have to log off and like go lay on a fainting couch. I'm like, I, <laughs> I don't understand anything, anybody. <laughs> like, oh. All right. So this is really interesting. Somebody, but somebody else tweeted at us. A, a person named Charlotte Romans de Gar on, on Twitter. Um, tweeted, I've still got that Faded Mates episode on the brain as I read Damaged Goods and starting to wonder if cinnamon roll conflict is often I'm caring for you emotionally so I can't lust after you, while alpha conflict is the reverse. I'm lusting after you so I can't care for you. And Jen and I sort of discussed this privately and like there's something maybe here, this like and you said it too, I think, Andy, when you said, "Yeah, you care about her like emotional and spiritual well-being." Then you said, and the third thing you said was physical. And I wonder if that's part of it, like where the lo- where the relationship starts versus where it ends. So here's here's what I'm going to suggest because I right now think as my blueprint, like when I think of cinnamon rolls, to me the pinnacle of cinnamon roll dumb. Uh, is Wraith by Rebecca Weatherspoon. And I kind of felt, I literally was like, I should reread part of it today to like make sure I'm all on point. And I fell right back into the book. And I think there's a really interesting part. And there's also a really interesting thread. Someone tweeted us um, from her, a woman named Kat C. And she said, and what she said is, um, cinnamon roll heroes are like people not cinnamon rolls but she likes reading books where people are dealing with their baggage and not so aggressive ways and i think what rafe so there's this part in rafe where he is essentially interviewing for the job to be her nanny like her um sloan's nanny or her twin girls like bailed literally it's like horrifying like as a mother like she basically comes home and finds her six-year-old girls home alone and then Annie left the keys to the car and the house keys with a note that said I I quit I just can't I don't want to do this anymore so she's really scrambling to find someone and she ends up getting Rafe who's been essentially nannying he's like in his early 30s for like 10 or 12 years and Rafe at the interview says to her um I think we have a problem I'm I've never, I've never nannied for a single mom I'm this attracted to before. And he just has, he's a grown up who can lay it out on the table and put it in front of her as opposed to, I don't know, like, right, like stomping around and like not admitting he has feelings. So to me, a cinnamon roll is like, I have feelings and I actually am aware of them and I know what to do with them. I don't know, you guys, like, (laughs) and the thing, that to me is the, it's because of course alphas care for people. We talked about that. The difference I think is the emotion, the emotion sneaks up on an alpha. And a a cinnamon roll person is like, yes, I have feelings, duh, who doesn't? (laughs) And I'll tell you what, and it's funny, I'm going to say one more thing. I... They're part in this book. I didn't do a lot of highlighting. And there's this one part where they sort of like they kiss and she's like, I'm not sure. I really want to do this. And he's like, okay, we're going to leave it up to you. And then he's like, what do you want? And she says, I want you to make this easy on me. And I was like, there you go. He was like, you right. His communication skills are through the roof. That to me is what makes a cinnamon roll a cinnamon roll. Being able to communicate. Yeah, can use his words as opposed to like, I want to punch someone. Okay, and in the case of Rafe, also his cock. Fine. I sort of reject the premise (laughs) that any romance hero that I'm really going to fall in love with does not have a quasi-magical penis. 
Sure. Like, I want, I want to be like, um, vomiting out unicorns the next day, thinking about <laughs> the hero and what he can do with his magical member. <laughs> but. Mm -hmm. I'm just giggling. I don't think you're alone in this. <laughs> I mean, I just a hundred percent like reject. Like I hate. Like I don't like it when a book has like an awkward sex scene between the hero and the heroine. That is the opposite of what my id wants. Like my id wants him to like bang it out, make her see stars into next week. Into next week, every single time. Um, I need it. That's just it's it's a baseline. Um, Rafe can get it, you guys. I just want you he, to know. Yeah. I think part of the reason Rafe is particular, like, I don't read a whole lot of Simnormal books. This one really worked for me. And I think there are a couple reasons why. One is because I hate cooking and cleaning, and I did not like raising <laughs> my child. Like, I love my son, you guys, but I didn't like, like, those years when he was really young were really hard for me. I still hate cooking and cleaning, and always will. But the idea that, like, a competent man is going to appear and, like, take over those tasks for me in my house and also fuck me into next week, hello, sign me up. I mean, I'm sorry. Maybe that's not everyone's fantasy, but I'm going to tell you right now, it is hot. It worked for me. <laughs> okay, so here's my thing, right? So I was trying to come up with cinnamon rolls who I have loved. Yeah. And this obviously is a challenge for me. Um, but I here here are two who I've loved. And ironically, it's the same trope, right? Okay, okay. interesting. I loved the hero in Helen Hoeing's The Kiss Quotient. Love him. And I loved the hero in um, Claire Kent's Escorted. And in both of those cases, we're talking about soft heroes who are who are all the things that you are saying, like able to to able to vocalize emotion, able to understand like their emotional relationship with the world. They've been through therapy or they you know have these big families. Um, but at the same time, they're male escorts and highly here you are jen yeah. able to bang you into next week <laughs> so like but also i think there's something but at the same time like in that particular dynamic i think the reason why both these heroes worked well for me is because there is sort of like there is a power structure here like they are deeply competent and sort of teaching the heroine something. Interesting. And so maybe they're not cinnamon rolls at all. I don't know. Are they? Clearly, we're the three wrong people to talk about this. because. Well, no, I think Andy knows. <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely think, um, I haven't read Escorted, but I definitely think Michael and the Kiss Question is a cinnamon roll. Um, I mean, he's got that big family. He cares so much about his sisters and his mom. Yeah. And like, yeah. I mean, like, he's amazing. I mean, and I think there's an interesting sort of layer of conflict there because, like, I think at first he's not trying to let her into that part of him. So he is a cinnamon roll, but he has, like, this this sort of layer that he keeps between him, himself and the, his true self and his clients. And so I think, you know, part of the conflict and part of the, them overcoming their conflict is, like, she penetrates that. Um, and so in a way, I think, yeah, so it makes sense, Jen. Sorry, you guys, I'm doing my best. <laughs> it's fine. I, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think penetrate is the right word because like she's a little bit sort of the alpha in that, you know, in that power dynamic. And she really, she gets under his skin, you know. I think in a, in a way like more quickly than she and then he gets under hers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just it's a really interesting question because it so it takes us so that I guess the second piece of the question is are is a cinnamon roll and a beta the same? Or like, is that even worth having a conversation? Like do betas even exist? But then I think they kind of do. Right. Because so we talked a little bit about the history of the alpha 
um, when we talked about alphas and, and we're doing a lot of like conversational romance history as we do this season. And so I think it's valuable for us to talk about the history of the beta, right? And again, I think it's important. I just want to qualify when we talk about the history and we say like early books or we say the first, right? We're not obviously, it's almost never the actual first. Yeah, right. If like the last six months of my life have of researching romance novels for the Rita Awards ceremony, and Andy was doing that with me, was um, illumin- the most illuminating thing about it was that like every time we thought we'd found the first, like five days later, we found an earlier first. So I think we need to talk about um, betas and we need to talk about Julia Quinn because uh, while she may not have written the first beta, she... Um, definitely is responsible for the popularizing of the beta. Um, and that is because she wrote the Bridgerton series, which um, if you haven't heard of it, <laughs> you soon will because Shonda Rhimes is turning it into a Netflix series literally as we speak. Um, and the Bridgertons were this kind of – so um, Julia was had written a couple of books beforehand, but um, sat down and sort of – and wrote this really – big boisterous um family eight children who were the named in alphabetical order <laughs> um and they you know were they lived in they were the children of a viscount and they lived with their single their widowed mother in like a big house in london and they had a big country house and they sort of had these like bright sparkling dialogue scenes filled with sparkling dialogue and like not a ton of plot happens in these books right it begins with a book called the duke and i um the plot of the duke and i isn't it's it's a very sort of streamlined straightforward plot it doesn't have a lot of like complex twists and turns and it doesn't have to because the dialogue is so beautiful and the characters are so bright and like it's she's there's something very like soft and wonderful about these books but what's interesting is that prior to julia historicals looked like all the i mean literally looked like Derek craven right they they looked like like these big bananas historicals and then julia came in and she wrote this family that was something very different and uh the first bridgerton book which was the duke and i was published in 2000 um and i've spoken to i checked this data with julia before we recorded because i wanted i have a theory and i wanted to make sure that it checked out And she confirmed that The Duke and I and The Viscount Who Loved Me and An Offer from a Gentleman, which were published in 2000, 2000, and 2001, were all um, very – were all, like, did very well but, like, did not blow the doors off. The Duke and I did not come out, like, Fifty Shades, although Mm -hmm. often we think about that as being one of those books now. In fact, the fourth book in the series, which is Romancing Mr. Bridgerton, is the book that sort of really – was the sort of leap into huge for that series. And that book came out in 2002. And I have a theory that, um, you know, we have talked on this on this podcast and I've talked a lot in the world about post 9-11, um, there being this kind of boom in paranormal because readers were looking for these like big, huge alphas who could literally save the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, And they were like that was safety in fear, in sort of existential fear that Americans were feeling post 9-11. But I'm actually wondering if at the same time we weren't also going through a period where um, books were getting softer. And like there was room for these like soft heroes who were the antithesis of every romance hero we'd seen before. Um, and I'm wondering if we're seeing that now, too, the sort of rise of dark romance on one side, these kind of like truly bananas books that are taking the finger on one side and something else entirely that's happening now in the world. I think you're right. I think that actually like that jives with my theory yeah. of the cinnamon roll and why they're appealing. And so I do think, that. <laughs> okay, so I think they're particularly appealing to sort of millennial and Gen Z um, single women or women who have recently been dating 
because the cis mm. hetero men that we are dating are fucking terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry I laughed. Break it down for us, Sandy. And like all we want is like a nice guy who we don't have to raise, who doesn't like hate us because we don't want to have sex with them right away or doesn't think we're sl a slut if we do, who like can use his words and cares about whether we have an orgasm in a larger sense of it than what it says about his own ego. Um, like someone who can actually be a partner instead of someone who is going to destroy your, like who's going to take your finger. <laughs> <laughs> but I think on the other, on the other side of that, you also like, if you don't, if you're dating a lot of like, you know, softer gentlemen who can't make a plan to save their lives there's an appeal to reading about a man who wants you so much he will he will plan an abduction. And I think this was like the first yeah. thing I like I said. <laughs> he will plan. <laughs> nice. I said this to Kristen Ashley and I did make her laugh. I was like I think the appeal of like abduction fiction cuz I think she was talking about alpha heroes is like at least this guy can plan a date. Like <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit. Oh, oh my god. Don't abduct women, male <laughs> don't, listeners. No, do not. Don't abduct women. But like, <laughs> you know, make a dinner reservation. Yeah. Don't like say, yeah. like, where do you want to go? Say, I, I want to try this restaurant. What do you think? It's, it's all about the balance. Can I ask a question? I'm going to throw it out there. Yes. I, um, I, I do not read. I don't read much inspirational romance unless it's written by Piper Hughley. Um, but I am wondering if the rise of like Amish romance and sort of Christian romance around the same time, because my understanding is it also came about at the same time. If, if cinnamon rolls are essentially a secular version of, of a, like a more, um, like a inspirational hero. I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know enough about inspirational to be able to speak uh, really thoughtfully on it. I mean, well, maybe we'll just throw it out there for our listeners yeah. who do. If you do, I would love to hear that. Um, you know, Andy thinks that Sierra Simone is out there writing betas. So. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't maybe. say he was a beta. I said he was like a little bit of a cinnamon roll. <laughs> He's the Conrad Roth of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to use that icing for lube. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Can we talk about Stern Brunch Daddies? Oh, please? yeah, sure. Okay, so this is this is all Sarah's fault. G it's Andy's genius, though. <laughs> yeah, I did come up with the term. So Sarah posted this picture of Oscar Isaacs sitting at, like, a table at what looks like a restaurant, like, holding <laughs> a fork and, like, staring intently at the camera. And she's like, okay, Andy, I see him now. And I was like... Oh, I get what you like. You like a stern brunch daddy. Like a guy who's yeah. going to make sure you, like, your mimosa never goes empty. But and then he'll, like, spank you until you cry later. Sure. Sure. I mean, he would never allow you to be seated by the kitchen. <laughs> never. Like, never. He wants never. to talk to the manager. <laughs> it's true. This is only because I have Chris Evans' blindness, meaning if he doesn't look stern, I don't see him. I'm unable to see him. And I have that problem with Oscar Isaac, too, because I feel like if he doesn't look stern, I don't even know what I'm looking at. It's like a blank face. Yeah. I mean, it, he has to serve up a little bit of Derek Craven for you to for you to for you to feel it, for you to Precisely, see it. Precisely. Which is why we're doing this podcast, this episode, mm -hmm. because I don't I truly want to understand it because it's interesting. And I think that what we're coming to is that it is it is in actual fact exactly two sides of the same coin because everything that you know every way that we're articulating this in terms of like care and comfort and protection or not protection but care and comfort and like ease right like softness um is ultimately what we want from the alpha on the other side but it's it's almost like we're talking about when you get to see it in the book like yeah do you see the transformation in the book? And if you do, 
it's like that then you've started as you know i'm air quoting you can't see it but <laughs> alpha right i don't know i i I feel like because where does the transformation come for the Stern Brunch? Daddy? He he just is. I feel like cinnamon roll heroes don't transform. I feel like heroines do. Their romantic partners transform, not them. So when you think about Rafe, what's the transformation in the book? It's not there. That's the, okay. So I think the transformation in the book is for the heroine, who in this case, her ex husband is a real dirtbag. And this is, it's the only man she's ever been with. And so to be with Rafe, to be with someone who respects her, who respects her, she's this amazing surgeon, right? Who, who she can say, I want you to make this easy for me. And he listens to her. I mean, it is just a transformative, like Andy was saying, it's a transformative experience for her because she has been used to men disrespecting her. And now she does not have to suffer that in her home. Right. And, and, and deep dicking into next week i mean this guy really knows how to take care of her in every way so but he i do not see him as being a character who really undergoes change he is or would we say like they're they're perfect from the start because michael in the kiss quotient is pretty fucking perfect well here's here's what i would suggest because i actually don't know that i think they're opposites as much as i think it's just trying to achieve something different and here as you were talking i guess i would say this to me the alpha is like i am pursuing what i want and like and that's also going to end up being what the heroine wants like we're going to figure it out together but to me, a cinnamon roll hero, and if it's male-female romance, is like, I know who I am, and I'm pretty happy, and I'm wildly attracted to this woman, so my goal is to make sure she's getting what she wants. And I do think that those are different. That's that's how it reads to me, when it works. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, that's what Michael wants, right, for Stella in the Kiss Quotient. He's like, what do you need from me? What, what, how can I move you along this path that you're on? Now, I think he does undergo a journey. Okay, but here's the thing. A lot of people came at us on Twitter about this and they were like, they were like, the problem with alphas, the, the problem with alphas is that they never want, they never want to hold up women and like give women what they need, right? Like they don't want women to have jobs. They don't want women to like, um, you know, they don't want to support women in their careers or whatever, Right. And I think that that's a really interesting and that's sort of you're not saying you're not in the extreme like that, but like you're sort of dancing around that, too. And that doesn't make very much sense to me in a modern ro- like maybe in the old romances. Sure, yeah. but like in a modern romance, like I've never written a hero who's like, now you, you we're You'll getting married and you yeah. don't get to keep running your bar instead. Like Haven has an office in the bar now. So to me, if that's what an alpha is, I don't like it. Yeah, well, there's a parody issue that I think, like, gets lost in the argument here. Like, I just think alpha heroes, if if we're comparing them, and I don't even honestly know if it's that useful. Like, maybe it's just different things entirely. Yeah, maybe we're just spinning our wheels. I think it's hard to write, like, a, a, a really, really close to pure alpha in a contemporary romance oh, where yeah. you, like, you believe that you want you would want to be in that same kind of relationship. Mm. And so to a certain extent, like, you know, there's still like alpha heroes in contemporary romance, obviously, but I think they're tempered to a certain degree. If your goal is to write a book that isn't like escapist. Isn't, <laughs> right, like, right, right. That if it's yeah. not fantasy, right? Like if it's not, um, you know, Fifty Shades. Like billionaire, or like a motorcycle club. If it's not, it's not like, um, you know, sort of a world you don't live in, right? If it's not a Harlequin presents, right? I mean, I think you can even write like, um, more pure alphas if you're writing sports romances, yeah, because you're writing about like Mm. larger than life. Um, I want to go back to like to me, like this really foundational moment in Rafe, right? She says, I want you to make this easy for me. And he, as a cinnamon roll, understands that what that means is I, I'm my job is to figure out what she needs and give it to her. I think if you said to an alpha, I want you to make this easy for me, he'd be like, great, just do what I want. <laughs> yes. And I don't think that means, like, don't have a job. I think that just means, like, don't make me feel feelings. 
right? Like, let's just, like, have all the sex and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it would be don't. I, I don't think it would be don't just do what I want. I think it would be, like, fine, who do I pay to fix this problem? Yes, right. right? right. Who do I punch yes. to make you feel better? Yes. Like, for an alpha, he's he's a battering ram. Like, he's like, what do I have to break to make you happy when she says this to Rafe and I like I said I think this moment like to me it really spoke to like at its core what it was when she said I just want you to make this easy for me he understand that that meant like she she meant I'm a little yes I'm a little afraid of making decisions I'm a little tentative I'm not sure and his response was like come down here we're gonna figure it out together right which I'm gonna tell you it like really works for me. I think it's really sexy at every level, but just in a totally different way. Yeah, no, I mean, who doesn't want that? Yes, that's, right. That's great. Yeah, no. So I mean, I'm just saying. I think though that like that to me is like you know if, if I said to Derek Craven just make this easy for me, he's like good. Leave and go back to Greenwood Corner so I don't have to think about you because you're freaking me out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I mean, like, St. Vincent would be like, maybe we should bone. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Would an orgasm or, make you feel better? <laughs> right. But, like, in real life, I mean, this, of course, makes perfect sense. Like, in, in theory, it's it's the moment where you say, like, I have worries or I have concerns or I have, you know, whatever. And the response is, I want I hear that and I want to act to fix them. Like, that's a that's a noble thing. Like, I wish we all had that every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, maybe that's the fantasy that they never tire of us being needy. I mean, I don't know. Right. Like, I mean, I think it's I, I liked what Andy said a lot. It's not right. Like this idea that like someone if we said, I just want you to make it. I mean, sometimes I literally say to Daryl, he's like, what do you want for dinner? And I say, I just want you to decide that's what I want. Like, literally, that's what I want. I want you to decide. I want you to make that decision. I just want you to make dinner appear in front of me. That right. is what care looks like to me right now. I right. mean, there's that there's that <laughs> meme that just is like, you just say, I'm baby. <laughs> yeah. Right? So there's that, like, you sometimes just want to, like, walk in the door and be like, I'm baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get all of the, like, love and attention and coddling. As opposed to, I feel like... And this this like applies to some of my friends who, you know, are in relationships, um, especially hetero relationships, that they feel like they're doing a lot more work. Sure. You know what this reminds me of? Okay, so back when I did TFA, right after I was out of college, I had a roommate named Amy. And Amy would say this thing that the first time she said it, I was like, that's the truest fucking thing I've ever heard. She'd had a fight with her boyfriend and, and he's, and, and, and I don't remember exactly how it came up. She was fighting with him. She like, they had this really tumultuous relationship. And she said to me, she's like, you know, you can't ask for flowers. And like, what it meant was like, if you have to ask for the flowers in order to get them, they mean less. A gesture, a romantic gesture, has to be driven, like, by the other person. They have to know that what you need or want are flowers or that, right, it comes out of nowhere. And I feel like you would never have to ask a fucking cinnamon roll for flowers, right? No. You would have to say, though, to many alpha heroes, like, flowers are an actual sign of affection. And every once in a while, if you bring them to me, I will be happy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right yeah. like you have to explain these well, things it's, it's it's interesting because there's also i'm sort of like dancing around in my i'm like playing over and over in my head this idea that like there's something here about toxic masculinity right which is like these heroes lack that kind of toxicity they are masculine without toxicity yeah i, I retweeted somebody today who was trying to explain like just because we don't want toxic masculinity doesn't mean we don't want masculinity. Like we don't want acid rain, but we still want rain. <laughs> like, and I think right. that's a really useful. Yeah. Know, um, shit. What's it called from the SATs from the LSATs. analogy? I'm like, what are you talking about? Metaphor. Um, <laughs> no, like with the blank colon blank. An analogy. Matter. Yeah. An a, anal- lo- a logic. Uh... A lo- yeah. Whatever. It's, it's, it's a really useful one of those. Like there's, um, I remember. 
Um, like I think there's I, there's something there. Like essentially, it's pure. It's and I do think it's contemporaries more than anything else that are doing this because, I mean, if Andy to Andy's point, like it, it's terrible out there, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's real like bad. that moment in When Harry Met Sally when. Um, you know, Carrie Fisher leans back and turns to Bruno Kirby and is like, tell me I'll never have to be out there again. Yes, that's yep. right. This is the moment. I I mean, I, I feel like there's all these studies that like people like millennials and Gen Zers are like literally not fucking like Gen Z does not fuck. Um, <sighs> Sad. I mean, it's it's real sad. It's it's sad for me um, <laughs> on a personal <laughs> level. Um, but that's why I'm glad we have Sierra Simone in the world. Um, anyway, uh, but it, it's it's real bad. And so, like, you just want like a guy who is like, I always think like I want a guy who's like going to open my door for me and like smack my ass on the way out, but he's going to know he has permission. Um, He's or he's gonna make sure that's okay, but not like in a needy or clingy way. Yeah, I mean, there are no consent issues with. I mean, uh, but this is such a fantasy. I mean, this yeah, of is course, fu- what you just asked for, Andy, is like fucking impossible. It's it, more it of really a fantasy is. than anything else, right? I mean, that's more fa- that's more of a fantasy than any of these fucking alphas. Like the idea that, like, well, I want him to get consent, but I want to make sure, but he can't be too weird about getting consent. Like, it can't feel needy or like unsexy right you want it to be both sexy and also like very clear and you know i wanted to smack my ass but also respect me and like yeah that's not to say that all of this isn't totally reasonable but here's what's interesting is like that takes in real life a long time to build with a partner yeah yes but like in these books, these guys just have it all. Yeah, that's what I mean. I that's when I w- when I was like writing uh, the the hero in not the girl you marry. I would specifically set him up as he has been the perfect boyfriend his entire life, and he's failed at relationships, and that's kind of where he starts. Right. So I tried to like have a cinnamon like a cinnamon roll with a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still wanted him to be virtually perfect. Of course, I think about, um, you know, so many of Christina Lauren's recent heroes mm-hmm. have been this way, like this kind of truly perfect guy who just hasn't fit right. Right. And I feel like a lot of Kate Claiborne's heroes are mm-hmm. are, are that way, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like they have either definitely flawed and human and layered, but they're not you you never question that they respect the heroine like that's never a question and 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 see her as an equal you Um, know i'm wondering if this is part of why we're seeing we've seen so so many fake engagement stories too recently yeah um because you know in our fake engagement episode jen Mm -hmm. and i talked about the fact that like the fan the fake engagement is like play acting that fantasy relationship and in order for that to happen like a cinnamon well a cinnamon roll hero can do that yeah and it's also like a cinnamon roll hero like you're faking that perfect relationship plus he's like acts like a human flak jacket at like something like a wedding yeah you know you know what i keep thinking is like when we talked about alphas the thing we said was like it's the fantasy of the alpha is that the patriarchy can be tamed. I think the fantasy of the cinnamon roll is that the patriarchy does not have to be trained. They already come in. They're coming fully trained. They're fully human, right? Like there's no way in right. which we're trying to like, right? Like they have their feelings. They they understand consent. Like they help, you know, help with their help, like literal helpers around the home in whatever well, way. I mean, you know, like I would that yeah. maybe that's it. It's like taming versus training. Or know. maybe I would go one step further. Maybe the fan this fantasy is the patriarch doesn't exist. I mean, I think it's but still it is, they are still masculine. Well, that doesn't mean that it's not. Pa- I mean, yeah, fine. Right. 
again, they're just not acid rain. Right. It doesn't exist within this one human. It hasn't like it hasn't rotted that person to his core. You don't have to send him to therapy for 10 years before you can even talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. Or that the yeah, maybe that's right. The patriarchy has not ruined them. No. Yeah, because, like, a lot of the ones you get, you know, if you're just trolling on Tinder, you're like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. You're this is this is spoiled. Um, <laughs> which is so mean. I'm so mean. <laughs> um, that That's why I'm single is because I'm mean. Um, but, yeah, like, you just you're like, oh, your, your shirtless picture with, like, the, you know, sleeping tiger just to show that you're like, you know, your dick is huge like that. That's uh, rotted to the core. Um, not a cinnamon roll and not an alpha really either. No. Well, that's the other thing, right? There's this like perception of alpha as incel and like, right. That ain't it either. <laughs> so no, no. Cause not an alpha wouldn't, uh, like as opposed to like, um, an incel, like an alpha would never tell like the hero when she's ugly in order to like get her to like him more or get him to get her to no. care about like what he thinks. No, never. never. Yeah. Yeah, no nagging allowed. Yeah, I think we solved it, you guys. I think. Um... <laughs> All right, fair. Well, now, Andy, you have a book coming out with a cinnamon roll hero. I do. And my favorite kind of heroine, the unlikable kind. She, um, and so what Jen was saying really early, Jen was saying earlier about like the sort of the cinnamon roll hero being a foil to a like a, a heroine who has a bigger journey and so a lot of the people who've read early copies of not the girl you marry which is out on november 12th um have said ha, like most people talk about the heroine hannah um and i part of that is because like i basically poured so much myself into that character um it's a it's a sort of it's a version of uh, the trope in How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days uh, with the gender roles updated. The heroine's biracial. Um, it's um, set in Chicago, which is a place that I've lived. And uh, yeah, Jack is a cinnamon roll. He's always been the perfect boyfriend. He's a literal honest-to-God choir boy. <laughs> um, and he like falls instantly in love with the heroine who is giving him the finger um at a bar and he he works for like a buzzfeed like type publication and he's like a video guy and he does like how to's and so his boss tasks him with how to lose a girl um and he he the only girl he's met of late is uh hannah and so he sets about losing her by doing all of the terrible things that guys who are spoiled by toxic masculinity do like sending dick pics, not being communicative, mm -hmm. um, you know, trying to make her jealous, all of that dumb shit. And she has, she's a wedding, she's an event planner and she wants to get into weddings, but she's, you know, very, very soured on romance. And her boss is like, you don't even believe in love. She's like, yes, I do. I'll show you. I just met a guy. I have a boyfriend. And so she like has to continue dating Jack to convince her boss that she's not um, completely soured on the concept of love. And then hijinks ensue. So, um, but her journey really is like the more angsty emotional journey. Like mm -hmm. she has to like come to believe that she deserves like love and belonging from not only Jack, but from like her friends who have been trying to offer it to her. So she has to like, learn to make herself vulnerable. Jack, on the other hand, has to, I think, learn to stand up for himself a little bit more and, like, take into account what he wants and, like, um, you know, not just, you know, surrender to whatever, like, his, his girlfriend wants. Mm. Um, and, and in that way, he has to, like, he basically has to get Hannah to respect him in a way. Not that he's soft. He's like, I mean, he is soft, but he's not. He's a little like I describe him as a cinnamon roll from the corner of the pan. He has crusty edges. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's actually amazing. That's perfect. Um, well, so Not the Girl You Marry is out November 12th. Uh, yes. November 12th. And you can pre order it now from all your favorite bookstores. Um, we will put links to it in 
show notes. And Andy, what is what comes and after that is this it's a companion. There's a there's a second Yeah. Book. So they're both standalone, but um they have the second book, it's called Not That Kind of Guy, um, has a, a character from the first book in it. And it's actually a workplace romance between um assistant state's attorney in Chicago and her um much younger intern who comes from an extremely wealthy, um, politically connected family. And she sort of just like thinks he's a twerp, um, ex- like a very attractive twerp. <laughs> um, and he is madly in love with her on first sight, which is a theme um, because that's my id. And they're faded working mates. together. Faded mates. It's faded mates. I, I, I love a faded mate trope. And um, yeah, hijinks ensue. There's there's a trip to Vegas. Um. You know, there's a wedding and, uh, yeah, so it's, it's still more her journey because she has to like come to terms with the ending of her relationship with her childhood sweetheart. And he really just, he needs to learn how to like stand up to his family. Um, so he's, he's definitely another cinnamon role because he just, you know, wants to take care of people and he, you know, wants people to love him. Um, but he's, he's really hot. I promise. (laughs) Well, that goes. Well, oh, I mean, that fixes a lot. Goes without saying, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, he's 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 a, like I I fall a little bit in love with him um, throughout the course of the book. Um, I'm yeah, and you'll like Bridget, the heroine in the second, and not that kind of guy um, is good friends with her uh, with the heroine in the first becomes good friends with the heroine in the first book, and so there's there's also that friendship and. Um, like sort of a sense of found family, which I also, it's an id for me in books. Well, this is amazing. And I'm so glad that you uh, texted me with your <laughs> idea about why <laughs> cinnamon rolls work. And <laughs> I think, because I do, I mean, like, I think you're right. I think we, Jen and I have been talking and, and not just us, we're not like, we didn't invent this conversation, but for the last, you know, two years, we've seen this sort of evolution in romance, and it seems to be going so quickly. Um, and there's this sort of sense of people are calling them, you know, there it's, you know, is everything a rom-com? What's happening with all these illustrated mm-hmm. covers? Like, what are we trying to say with these covers? What are we trying to say with these books? And I think, like, cinnamon rolls are somehow wrapped up in this conversation in a really interesting way. And I'm always interested, as you both know, in like why things happen and what these books are doing, the work that they're doing. Um, and if it is, if, if it is about pure fantasy, first of all, ugh, men do better. <laughs> I mean, and, I uh, think it's, I think it's about like convincing readers, like uh, writing the book for me, um, not the girl you married was about convincing myself that like, you know, love was possible in a world as broken as this. But Mm -hmm. you know, my, like the conclusion of that thesis is the guy has to be close to perfect. And I think it's like, we don't need to be in relationships. And so I think, why are we in relationships? And I think that's what, uh, I think that's what a lot of these books are asking. Like, what Mm -hmm. are we looking for in partnership? Yeah. And why bother? You know, the thing I keep thinking about though, like the, the fantasy part, I think is really powerful and I think romance is really transformative. I think um, it's often very difficult to like sort of, I think the best romances put both characters on a journey and sometimes that journey happens together. And sometimes the journey is like a little stronger for one than the other. And I think what I really like about, like I said, in a cinnamon roll and a male and a like a male female, right? Cinnamon rolls where the cinnamon roll is the hero. What I really appreciate the most is the sense that the heroine's journey is really highlighted and that it is his job to like showcase what she is capable of and like make that possible. And that to me is like a, you know, not just that such a man exists, but that you know, like self self, like finding yourself in an, in a, in a romantic relationship that your romantic partner makes you better and stronger. I mean, that's like a, a, something we do all deserve. And I think that this is one really powerful way that romance shows that that can happen. Yeah, I guess is what I'd say. I agree. Well, 
Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. Um, Andy, uh, tell everybody where they can find you online. Um, I am on. I spend most of my time on Twitter at author Andy J, and I'm on Instagram where you'll mostly see pictures of my dog. Um, <laughs> my Facebook is also at author Andy J, um, and I there you'll see a lot of pictures of my dog. Um, and you know news about books. But I'm I'm mostly shouting on on Twitter. Nice. Um, well, thank you for coming on Faded Mates. This is this is Faded Mates, everyone. Next week we'll be back with another deep dive read from season two. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at Faded Mates or on Instagram at Faded Mates Pod. You can buy Faded Mates pins from Kelly at Resistance Buttons uh, on Jen's website, JenReadsRomance.com. Faded Mates is produced by Eric Mortensen, and we will. Enjoy your cinnamon rolls. <laughs> <laughs>